Hello, and welcome to Confidently Wrong, a show by regular dudes talking with confidence about content we have no right to speak about with any kind of authority, but do it anyway. I'm Wesley Nakamura, and as always, I'm joined by award-winning director Brian Redondo and Zavon Jones, aka Captain Bonnie. This is episode 136, and we're talking about the new show, Echo. So come with us as we travel to Tahama, Oklahoma, and explore a cool character with a cool backstory. I'm confident that it's going to be the best show you've ever listened to, and well, hey, if it's not, you can always ask us for a refund. Hello, gentlemen. Happy New Year 2024. It's good to see you all. Savant with his wild hair is like... Wild hair. Come on. Those of you who are on the pod listening, you can't see it. Oh, there we go. He kind of got... I'm trying to take... I got my twists. I'm trying to take my twists out because it's time to take them out. But good Lord, it's a lot of work. I just need somebody. Well, welcome back. Um, Brian, you were in international travel. You're supposed to have a girlfriend doing that for you, man. I'm trying, dog. It's hard out here. The apps. It's all about the apps. Sorry, sorry, you married clowns. <laughs> sorry, I can't be like y'all. All, I was you know, I definitely all... have Anna take out my twist. <laughs> <laughs> we all did a little bit of traveling over the uh, the winter holiday season. Sav, you went back to New Orleans for a bit, right? Yeah, I went home for the holidays, just hanging out with the family. You know, what I'm saying stuff in my face with food, hanging out with Nala the dog. Went and saw color. We didn't purple. get any Nala the dog content on uh, IG though. Oh yeah, it's because honestly, me and my precious little love muffin, little chicken nugget, were too busy just hanging out, just hanging just out, just love nesting the yeah, whole time. The whole time, I'm just <laughs> there's, there's no time for phones. No, I was posted up the whole time. I was playing God of War Valhalla, and Nala was on the couch next to me, just vibed out, sleeping, snoring, just vibing out. It was great. Love it. Wait, God of War Valhalla. Yeah, they had that, that. You know, you heard about that free DLC that came out for the new God of War? No, it was an epilogue was it? to the. Oh, it was amazing. It was okay. a ro- It was like this sweaty roguelite. That's an epilogue for the game. Oh, it was so sick. Awesome, Brian. You were you were in a like a quadruply different time zone from us. Uh, I heard he went to Guam, although Brian sent us no pictures of Guam. So there's no proof that I was actually there. I was just conveniently away and excommunicated <laughs> from you guys for three weeks. <laughs> And it was blessed. <laughs> All right. I made him download, Sav, I made Brian download a brand new app so that we could communicate because he didn't oh have, he, he only had Wi-Fi access. He didn't have his, uh, you know, internet, you know, because he was traveling internationally. So I got like WhatsApp so. or some shit? Well, that's yeah, what I suggested. Order- and of course, <laughs> our host over here was like, oh no, but that's owned by Facebook and Meta. I'm like, dude, you're on Instagram. Get over it. <laughs> Did you see that all those really, permissions really... though? You gotta, you gotta let them see everything from your phone in order to download WhatsApp. Like, no thanks. Let oh them look. My God. Nah, I don't need them in my phone. So I don't now we're on. Now we're on all signal. the ads. Now we're on Signal, which is very, very encrypted. Is signal which... owned by the same people too? No, Signal's different. I, and you, I feel you like... don't need to give. You don't need to give any permissions. It's terrific. Now I feel like we are some sleeper cell that's trying to be low-key away from the government. Oh, yeah. Signal no, Brian... is what I used to make illicit... <laughs> Signal, people... I... Signal is what people use to make illicit purchases. Exactly. Oh, is that what it's for? And, yes. I thought it, they used Telegram for that. There's criminal activity that happens on Signal. Brian, sure. Brian made us... 
turn on the feature where your messages disappear after a certain amount of time. Well, so if you're going to use chat- Signal, you might as well use Signal. You know what <laughs> I mean? Why would, would you get Signal and then not use its defining purpose and feature? No, like- the defining purpose is that it's encrypted so that no one else outside of the chat can see it. I want multi levels of security. If I'm gonna, it doesn't matter whether it disappears. It doesn't matter whether it disappears. But anyways, don't you love that our messages self destruct? Wes is is paranoid as if he does and sells drugs, but does he wants to use the resource? (laughs) What's the kind of dude who will get a money counter for actually counting money? (laughs) Or he would get like one of those little scales, like a little mini micro scale, and actually use it for like measuring stuff in the kitchen. Hey. If I had if I had wheels, I'd be a bicycle. All right, let's keep going. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right, this episode we're gonna talk about Echo. Um, That was a chance for you guys to say Echo. Yeah, exactly. Come on, it's like we didn't plan this. So we return to the story of Maya Lopez, played by Alakwa Cox, uh, who we first saw show up last was it two years ago? I think in Hawkeye, Um, she kind of she was a side character in that show. How did what did we think? How did we feel about her coming to this episode? Sav, what were you thinking? Yeah, she was a solid side character. I enjoyed her quite a bit in Hawkeye. Uh, she was actually a solid, like what, Deuteragonist type character when you had Kate and Clint, and she has her whole side stuff going on in her backstory. Like she wasn't the most interesting in that show, but she played an entertaining role and I just liked the uniqueness of her character. So she never stood out as, oh, this is my favorite, but she always had potential and I can't wait to discuss, you know, how she does as a lead. But I was excited for her. Do nice, people Brian. remember Hawkeye? My goodness, that was a long time ago. It was, but I mean, the first episode did a solid job of recapping the basics of, you know, you not having to watch Hawkeye, but at least know what happens. But Hawkeye, I thought, aged kind of well, if I'm going to keep it up being with y'all, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I just remember the pizza dog, and then uh, doesn't Hawkeye jump out the window and, like, sli- fireman slide down the tree or something like that? Oh, yeah. Yes, In his so defining awesome. moment. <laughs> Home uh, alone style. Time. Yeah, buddy. I was actually really excited for Echo. Well, I, w- I would say I was, I was pretty excited for Echo because she's a just the fighting that they did in that show was really cool. And then also that she's bringing in some other, some other things like being deaf. And so that's going to affect her ability to fight. So it kind of gives her, gives some like really interesting ways in which the character can move as a character, but also ways she can move as a fighter and, you know, in the, in the choreography. So I was pretty excited. I thought, I thought this could be good. And then I heard that they were only going to do five episodes and it was going to be all released at once. Um, and some some of the things I saw a while ago were like, yeah, it feels really like Disney and Marvel are just sort of like trying to kind of get whatever they've already made. They're just kind of trying to get out before they do kind of their their retreat and and reset that they're that they've been working on. It was kind of like, hey, Echo's already in the can. Let's go ahead and release it. But like, let's not make as big a deal about it because we know it's not our best stuff. That was kind of the hypothesis. So I was a little bit had lower expectations for this one given that I thought, well, maybe they're sort of just trying to hide it or like not, not exactly, you know, make this thing the, you know, the best that it could be. They were just sort of like, well, we already made it. So let's go ahead and, and, you know, release it. But they weren't that excited about it. But at the same time, this is, this also has the new Marvel spotlight moniker on it. Yeah. And, and it's touted as their first TVMA 
show so that it's not only on Disney Plus, but it's also on Hulu. So uh, we're, we're getting mixed messages me. here about how they feel about it. Yeah, I think them going TVMA was to me the sign that they are actually excited and kind of putting in some extra effort to this show because ooh, sexy. I love it. Get close to that mic, Sav. Yeah, no, I, yeah. no, seriously, I think them going yeah, TVMA going which, MA right and, now. And there's a, and there's a question <laughs> where we're going to talk about that, but I think that they had faith in the show when they announced that it was TVMA because that just draws a different type of audience and that just sets a different type of tone of what they can do storytelling wise and. I think they give them more. They gave them more creative direction to be able to tell the story that they wanted to tell, rather than being limited by the tone and what you can and can't do. Especially for characters who, in a character storyline that leans around the more brutality and criminal underworld, rather than the more whimsical side of the Marvel universe. So, like, I think them going TVMA releasing it all at once is actually a good call because it's a, it makes it accessible to people who might not be super interested and you're not going to get them to watch it week by week but if it's just a quality show and it just is good period then people will just immediately be won over which you know that's i think what we're going to discuss today and for for those that don't know echo is a spin-off character from the world of daredevil in the comics right so mm-hmm. you know daredevil blind so of course there's you know this villain or anti-hero type character who's deaf um but you know, grounded characters, underworld, a lot of physical, low-level violence. Uh, and and so I think they're also trying to, you know, they were trying to echo uh, but, Marvel's, um, Marvel's Daredevil show, right? Which the Netflix, was, all the Netflix shows were Which TV was very MA, MA right? Uh, and so they're trying to piggyback off of that with Echo by saying like, oh, this is part of that thing. Uh, remember that and remember Kingpin we're making this character who l- exists at in that terrain along with Daredevil and the uh, the other defenders Luke Cage Jessica Jones all of those were street level heroes but because you're not saving the world they leaned into the maturity element of it to really what makes it stand out compared to the PG-13 world of a lot of the other mainstream Marvel stuff which even for the Netflix shows was a great, that was one of the best calls they ever made. So knowing that they're replicating this energy to me is a good sign for the show. I agree. I really liked most of the Netflix shows. Uh, I think we've, I don't know if we've talked about them on the show. Maybe that was predating our that was, podcast. That was pre, pre before. Yeah. That was before our pod. Pre-pan. Um, Pre-pod. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pre-pan. Good God. Luke, Luke Cage was, was very sexy. He was, what a, what a hunk. All right. I went uh, back Coulter, and Michael Coulter, that's a good looking dude. Mahershala Ali, I think that might have been the first thing I ever saw him in. Yeah, Luke Cage. Um, and he was he was awesome. He was really good. <laughs> so like I went back after so I I finished Echo, right? And I went back and watched that Jessica Jones bit with her and Luke Cage and when they're hanging out and doing more than hanging out. Uh and that that is truly TVMA. <laughs> they, oh, you! They break you the saw bed. Some they they break the bed. Uh, you don't you don't you don't see any of the pee. Uh, but but you do see uh, you you see the lines. You you know the lines that that lead into the yeah. Also, people get brutally murdered on screen. <laughs> Are we forgetting that? Like in Daredevil, we see Kingpin smash his dad's head into a car door. Like these Netflix shows didn't shy away from the brutality, and frankly, neither does Echo. So. Yeah, he smashed somebody's head. It wasn't his dad. His dad, he smashed with a hammer or something. 
Right. Oh, you're right. No, the yes. door was like a goon who pissed him off. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. My bad. Different violent on-screen murder. <laughs> yeah. Many, many on-screen violent murders. All And Dave, um, I don't know why we're doing this retrospective. Maybe we should just talk about the defenders. David Tennant's no. turn as that guy that was like mind controlling people. Holy cow. That was, oh, that was that, terrifying. Yeah. That first well, season yeah. of Jessica Jones. I don't think any of them replicated that in term like even with Wilson Fisk in uh in Daredevil I don't I don't think it got there um yeah. and so Punisher could have had I don't even know who was the main villain in that one it was kind of the friend but I don't think I don't remember if he was even the main villain anyways let's keep going Jake saw he was, so, but I yeah so I bring I just bring that TVMA, up we like it to say like yes echo is TVMA because they use blood packets in certain fights and whatnot but to me, it feels almost exactly the same as the other Disney Plus Marvel shows. Like it, con- like content-wise, like even not even in terms of what's MA rated, like stuff that could be censorable or whatever. But in terms of how the content is treated, it just kind of it felt like Hawkeye. It felt like yeah, you know, uh, when uh. What's that Winter Soldier one called? I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> Falcon, Falcon and, and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, okay. I thought people got people got shot in the head on screen. Like people got blobbed. Yeah. Like, but one not, dude got not in a grisly way. You know, it's yeah, sort of he, just like it happens a few times. The, the guy at the skate depot, right? Like that's probably the most brutal moment. But it also just fe- felt tacked on. Yeah, you know what I mean, it, it didn't. And the one in the alleyway, it didn't feel like been. it was really part of the the show's tone and ethos. Right, those two felt a little bit separate. Do you remember where? I think it was oh, a soft TVMA. It's a very soft TVMA. <laughs> All right, but I, th- I think in general, I agree with Sav. We're 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 kind of we got something a little bit grittier in this one than. They they didn't have to pull punches when they didn't want to. I think, uh, which was nice here. Yeah. All right. So this is our real question. Let's see if we can pull this off, gentlemen. <laughs> Behind the scenes. Let's let's see. All right. Maya was a side character before, and especially because of her being deaf, uh, her dialogue and general communication have to be a little bit different. How is she done as the lead for you, Brian? Alaco Cox, Maya. Is a solid lead, uh, and mostly because she just has the look, right? She, you know, the black leather jacket, the stoic stone face, the the black matte motorcycle, uh, and somebody willing to kick ass, right? So she just looks like the type of antihero that you want to ride along with. And then on top of that, you know, she's communicating with her facial expressions and ASL. Uh, which I think, you know, adds a lot of intensity to her interactions with people uh, and, and gives us a different flavor than other heroes that we've seen before. Sav. Yeah, same deal. She's a good lead. They do a good, like, the casting is great where she just has this aura of badassery that really sells you on a lot of the feats that she's pulling off in the show. She, you know, the fact that a lot of characters or people don't realize that she can't hear and they do a good job of doing the POV swapping of what she's hearing, which is nothing. But then when she's engaging with folks who actually do communicate, know how to understand with her, she 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 sells me on just her stoic, badass nature and backs it up. And even how they built her up in Hawkeye of just her having good hands and being able to beat the crap out of people, like, but still take licks. I think the casting and 
the good blend of her body language acting and actual ASL with people she knows. And usually the ASL is a character she's close with. So you get to see the emotional range is done very well and it's refreshing and it's different. And uh, I had my concerns about her as a lead, but I think this combined with the tone of the show really makes her a good carry. She's never on screen. I'm like, Oh, let's get, let's keep it moving. Get to get her off screen. She steals the show, in my opinion, in her scenes. Brian, did you want more from her in some ways? Or like something different? So I think she has great screen presence and is an interesting character. I think the show, though, does her a disservice by not not giving her more to do. Or, you know, they don't really, they don't build a full... uh, they don't really build full motivation around what she's doing, what her objectives are. Like this whole thing about her trying to be the, the queen pin and get hers to like, it doesn't even make any sense in context of every, like all the stuff that they show us. Like she was angry that Kingpin got her dad killed. She shot Kingpin. Now she's going after his empire. Like, but doing it in Oklahoma, like none of that makes sense, right? <laughs> and and so I don't I don't think that the show knew exactly what to do with the character. And and I think that Echo is interesting and that there are bones of like a lot of uh things that are ripe for great storytelling in this that they, they're throwing out. Uh but I don't know that they've really found the proper way to tell this story in these five episodes at least. Oh no. I feel like I've now like I, I don't know why I didn't think about what you just said, but now I'm like, man, you're right. That it doesn't make sense. Why is she like it why is she in Oklahoma? It's because they wanted to tell a story around her ancestors and her history and her parents and her grandparents. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. But but totally then, unmotivated. Yeah, but then that doesn't have anything to do with Kingpin. Ah and like Yeah, and then and then like you know, you know what story they're trying to tell, and then they're just shoehorning it into these boxes. Oh no! Um, Ruin the show for me, Brian. It's like it's very it's very obvious what they're trying to do, right? And like they they give you the flashback with her mom die and and the family gets separated. You, you they're totally telegraphing what payoff they want at the end. Of course, she's going to reunite with her family at the end, but and all of that makes for a less a less sincerely gritty version of the character that you know could be possible. Uh, And that dynamic between her and Kingpin could be so much more heightened uh, if they weren't also just trying to contrive these other things happening around her. Savvy, you agree with that? It definitely definitely seemed like, not necessarily, I don't know if I agree with that. Tell him why he's wrong. I mean, it's not that it's wrong. It's just like the the motivations part actually, to me, how I see her motivation. I haven't finished the show, though. I'm only, you know, I'm more than halfway. I'm two, three out of five episodes in. But the way I see it is that she's, how do I word this? Like, she's a badass. I see what they're going for, but I think that they should have leaned more into the moral ambiguity of her character. And maybe the next two episodes, they will. I don't know. I haven't finished the series. But the way I interpret it was that you think that she's actually going to be chill after the ending of Hawkeye, knowing how she's supposed to let go of revenge. 
but it turns out that doesn't magically or letting go of her hate of Clint, but it turns out it doesn't magically what he said at the end didn't actually sink in with her. Like <laughs> it sunk in with the letting go of his, her hate towards him. But all she really did was redirect the hate towards Kingpin and didn't really learn. Yeah. She didn't really learn a lesson. And I think that's okay. But I think the show could do a better job of selling us on that. And maybe they're trying to, cause there's a line of saying, Hey, she sound, you sound like Kingpin, but like, I think an interesting character arc is her, basically still being a part of the problem like yeah just because kingpin's bad doesn't mean that you're good so i hope that they lean into that like she makes a good i hope they don't i don't like when they take anti-heroes and lean too much into the hero part lean more into the anti side of things for her because which i like like, so far what i like with her so far is that she kind of could just go in and do shit without regard of some of the consequences of her actions, which I think is a dope character trait. Like the way she got Biscuit caught up in all that stuff with the truck and how even I assume that's like her uncle, right? The boy, the dude who run the skating ring. I think that's like her uncle. Yeah, or something. It's her dad's brother. But like, yeah, like I thought a cool element of her character is that hey, you so caught up just trying to do your thing that you're causing problems for your family and the folks around you. I just hope the show leans into that more these next two episodes, but there's only so much time you have to do that. But I think the potential of her being this anti-hero, but still very much like if there was a hero, they wouldn't be agreeing with her, could work. It just, but you don't want to soften her up and make her too sympathetic either. She works best for me so far when she's not super sympathetic because she's still a badass and you're rooting for her, but you can fully acknowledge, hey, he said you're bringing a war here and causing problems, and he's high-key right. <laughs> like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, Maya's back in town. I hope she don't come in and cause problems. And it's like, oh, no, everyone was right. You're absolutely coming in and causing problems, even if you feel justified in your actions. So I don't know. I like it. It's just a matter of what they're going to do with it. I hope they don't try and soften her up too quickly because <laughs> she kills people on screen. And, like, like she's not nice, but in a good way. Yeah. I think you're going like to be dis- that makes for a compelling character. <laughs> All right, we'll see. We'll see if you get what you want. Um, I mean, you were about to say he was going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, it's only five episodes. There, yeah, so I don't expect. Like, there's not I, a I lot love- that they could do there. Yeah, but I don't know. That's what I like the most about her character so far is that she is kind of low-key taking advantage of her family's kindness and all that in the early half of this. And that makes for an interesting character. Yeah. But they, it seems like they don't stick that based on what you were hinting right. at. But like, I think they have the outlines to what you were saying of a really dope character. And if that is the case, then Brian, I think that reinforces your point of they're not doing the character justice by maybe making them too sympathetic when you can lean into their grittier, more ambiguous side. I don't, I don't mind the way they went because ultimately they decided the show was going to be an investigation of Echo's past and her relationships with her family. And so that's, that's where they spend, you know, their time. And sure, you could spend time on like, you could do a prequel, right, where you, you spend time on what did she actually do as an assassin? What did she actually struggle with? And how did her rage really like feel that stuff? That's not necessarily what this show was designed to be about so um yeah i don't think it's spoiler to say like that's not necessarily where they focus you know even if that's where you wanted them to focus and i don't think that precludes them from doing that later on but that's just not where this show ended up going um i wanted to talk that's a little true. bit yeah. about yeah um i, I want to talk a little say, bit like about... imagine <laughs> imagine that they didn't that they didn't uh 
insert kingpin into the story and then she just got into some mishaps when she went home to oklahoma right like that that could have been a very interesting story on its own uh but the fact that they have you know all these requirements to bring in other characters and try to tie things together it yeah it leaves all the threads straining well i'll watch the next two today and you know i'll have a better idea but fair enough yeah and kingpin kingpin is a little bit closer in terms of his attitudes to the when we saw him in daredevil a little bit more than he is when we saw him in hawkeye um you know they have him back he's not in wearing the, the hawaiian shirt yeah he's back God. in he's back in the big suits and uh all that good stuff i wanted to the hawaiian shirt his classic fit <laughs> <You're> tripping. <laughs> yeah Whoa. it just didn't fit the gritty gritty nature i think and i don't know how we had seen him in daredevil was pretty awesome I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the woke, the wokeness of the show. Um, so I wanted to get your. No, we don't know. We are not. No, we are not using that term. <laughs> I'm I still remember. I still remember the days in college when woke was like very much before it was co-opted. Yeah. We are not going to use this. This I'm damned, bastardized, co-opted version of. Yeah, woke. I'm using it sarcastically in the Tucker Carlson kind of way or the Ted Cruz kind of way. Um we cannot do that. <laughs> <laughs> that and what I really liked about the show, and and I don't I don't mind. I'm gonna reco co I'm gonna reco opt it back. Um, this show has uh, a lead who is deaf, who has native ancestry, and who is also an amputee, right? And so checks a lot of the boxes, as uh, as the Fox News you know guys might say. Um, how did how did that play for you, right? Like having a show that incorporated all of those things and, and put some of them front and center at different times. How does that sort of work for you? Or how did you think the show executed that? I guess is really more what I'm trying to say. Brian, have you, how have you found um, those different pieces that are kind of not, you know, not the kind of dominant culture? How did, how did you find that? I love the non-dominant culture. I mean, if you listen to the show, you know that, I love, but how do you think uh, the show is is doing reservation it, right? like, dogs? Yeah, uh, but yeah, like I think that Echo, I you know clearly they had an agenda with Echo, right? They wanted to be able to talk about her as a person uh, who is Native American who comes from a Native American community, and like to show that and show other characters, right? I I think it's very clear that they would that's the kind of show that they wanted to have, but through a Marvel vehicle. Uh, and I, I think for the most part, it's, it's pretty effective, right? It, like in the same way that reservation dogs is also effective, you know, they just plant you in a community. I mean, both take place in Oklahoma, uh, different tribes, but they plant you in that community. You, it's not just about the individual hero uh, the protagonist, but it's about the community that surrounds them. So you get to spend time and meet, you know, grandma, of course, and uncle and cousin and, and, and also talk about ancestry and heritage and, you know, where, you know, where people who are not part of a non-dominant culture get their strength from, right? It's, it's like, it's very often about ancestors, uh, you know, and, and recognizing those struggles and, you know, how that makes you a strong individual. So all of that comes into the fore in this show. And I, you know, as much as, 
you know, as much as you can tell, it's it's definitely kind of like a virtual virtue signaling agenda. It still feels sincere. Like I don't mind it at all. Like I, you know, I appreciate it because it adds a richness to the story that wouldn't otherwise be there. Uh, and and you get you know you get to be in a different community that you know for most of us we don't have contact or interaction with on a regular basis. So uh, it it's refreshing and uh, insightful. Sav, do you want to respond about in, like her indigenous background? You can also talk about her being deaf yeah. or being uh, an amputee. Yeah, well, I mean, what I like with it is that I don't even see it as like a tick boxes virtual signaling way because that's not the main stuff that carries the story. These are just elements of the background to make it a cool backdrop. But even from these first few episodes that I've seen, the heaviest moments and coolest moments of the show are more about them just interacting as a family. You know, like it's Maya's relationship with, is it Bonnie? Is it Bonnie? The, yeah, the cousin? cousin? Her cousin, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like the cousin, the relationship with Bonnie, the one with Biscuit, the one with the grandma, the one with the dad, the uncle, the certain part of the family involved in a criminal background, some of them not. Like that ain't got diddly squat to do with their um, their native ancestry. It paints a backdrop of why of the things happening around them, but like that's not what moves the story forward. And so, to me, I've like to me when, it, when it's like that, I don't see that as like some type of virtual signaling. Hey, look at how inclusive we are. I see it as a to your original point. We tell diverse stories that take place in different communities, but it's really more about being estranged from family. It's about Maya being hyper independent to the point of it being an actual character flaw, like. Some of that background stuff might inform it a little bit, but that's not what's driving the vehicle. Maya as a character is hyper independent, wants to do her own thing, doesn't want to drag people into her own stuff. And her being indigenous, an amputee and deaf might, you know, it might have unique ways that that plays out. But those things could all not be traits of her character. And she would still be the core things that make her at least what I think badass and cool would still be there. She still wants revenge against Kingpin. She still feels anger about losing her father and who was responsible and all of that. So what I like with the show is that I think they had a good foundation of the tone and character. And then a lot of the other stuff that makes the show unique and inclusive and talk about different stories feels very organic. Like one of my favorite parts of the show was um, how they, and maybe we're getting to some soft spoiler territory, but we can avoid spoiling it for folks because I think it's a cool reveal. But the the flashbacks that happen at the beginning of every episode about someone who's from uh, Maya's indigenous bloodline, going back from the origin, their cultural origin story to people in like the, I don't know, ancient times to like the early 1900s, and then them tying that into the actual modern show in a dope way. Like, to me, I love that because you're getting to do these cool creative set pieces and sequences and it gets to show cool elements of the culture in different contexts, but they still very much meaningfully tie it back to the main story and the character. Like to me, all of that was really, really well done. And even Maya's struggles is like an amputee. Like it's cool for context of unique struggles she goes to, but it's not like it doesn't feel unnatural it feels like a this is maya skill set what she can and can't do and this is how it plays out like even her not being able to hear it never really feels like uh it never really treated like it's an actual disability they just show hey this is what's going on from maya's perspective and i don't know to me it makes it feel very authentic and 
you have to be a real hater to just see this and think, oh, yeah, they're just trying to pander to people. I'm like, Dog, if you think this is pandering, you just hate <laughs> Yeah, the, um, the, the being deaf part opened up the, the sound designers to be really creative with how they played with volume and heartbeats and, um, and music within within scenes and i thought that that was cool it kind of gave them a another reason to give us more senses like within the show um something i think you know i don't know brian maybe you're an editor you might know how hard or easy that kind of thing is um but it was that was that was cool to see them incorporate some of that in there and uh i, I don't it didn't feel trite it felt like oh there's an actual reason why we're getting these like differences in volume you know at different parts and it, it mm -hmm. played with the story and it helped tell the story um brian what you were saying around her being back at home and how those conflicts would have happened i was thinking too like you know her and her dad left left the community when she was pretty young i mean she might she looked approximately six seven eight something like that um you know pr pretty pretty young which would have meant that she actually had been in new york for quite a long time maybe 20 years ish um, and I, I was wondering just like how tied, how much of a, a stranger and a visitor she might've felt like coming back home. Cause it doesn't sound like she came to Oklahoma that often to reconnect. And so, you know, how much, how much of, did she feel like a fish out of water? They didn't really address that in some way. And I, I, I feel like, you know, native communities tend to be very culturally different than a city like, you know, New York or a big, you know, a big urban area. So like how, how is she accepted by the people there and how does she perceive herself when she gets there? They sort of missed that. They could have talked or shown more of that, I think, which would have been, <clears throat> um, it would have given it more layers, more. Yeah. I don't know. Just more, more, more. Yeah, absolutely. Something to it so uh, i'm glad you brought that up that that kind of made me think like oh there's a way they could have tweaked that i think to brought that more of that in but it was cool they leave unexplained how much contact she's had with people yo they... all the relationships are a little bit wonky right like biscuits comes out of nowhere wasn't in any of the childhood scenes yeah but all of a sudden yeah. that's the first character she meets pretty same much. with the uncle has fun right? right uncle we didn't see him we in don't the know beginning. the uncle yeah, but we did. We do hear that maybe the Lopez brothers are <laughs> right. Yeah, but that was it. Up to no good. He wasn't shown as part of this. Them thing. Lopez boys. Yeah. Um, and then even her relationship with Bonnie, we know that they were close as kids, but twenty years later, that doesn't mean that they have any kind of feelings or not feelings towards each other. If they haven't had that much contact, like, yeah, why would they? But they even text, feel any kind of. They got kinship? each other's phone numbers, but yeah. they're not. Like what's going on there, I and then the also show, the grandma being the strange. Like she's years. mad at the dad. With like, why is she mad at the little girl? Like, it, yeah, a lot of it because she looks because she looks shaky. like her mom, <laughs> and and because she had lost her other daughter too, right? Like, so this is her second happening of of losing a child, right? That's just that could be un unbelievably heartbreaking, right? So. I, I kind of bought yeah, that. I don't know if you've seen a broken family, yeah. but people get mad over from an outside perspective what people perceive as some dumb shit. <laughs> but I'm sure everybody listening at home can think of family members who are beefing over yeah. things that from an outside perspective, you're like, that, really? That's that's what you... You now, didn't I think they like did my a casserole. <laughs> yeah. I think they just under... I think they didn't realize, hey, 20 years is a long time to not talk to somebody. Like, has she been gone for 10 years? Yeah. That would have all the relationships would have made a little more sense. But if I ain't seen somebody in twenty years, 
And they got and right back talked. in it. It's just a, not a yeah. lot. Yeah, they they the that the pacing of the relationships and where they were relative to the contact and time that had passed kind of was a little wonky. I was able to let it go a little I bit because too. once I saw them interacting, I thought the actual character interactions did a good job of filling the gap. But just hearing them say it's been 20 years was just like, hey, that's just a really long change that number to 10 literally from just like a writing script perspective and all that dialogue just becomes retroactively a little bit better. I just know if I ain't seen somebody in 20 years, there's not a whole lot of, there's like, not a lot to say, <laughs> but, but 10 years, Do absolutely, especially, especially, but as a 30 year old and for y'all is like 40 years, I think 10 years is like a very perfect number of hey, if I saw somebody I ain't seen since I was 20 or the giant since you were 30, I could see that making more sense. But as a kid, it's like, dog, that's just, um, yeah. As a six year old, a little bit hard to believe. I can let it slide, but it's like, dude, y'all. It's not like y'all been besties for twenty years. Right. I don't know. That was a little weird. All right, so we poked we poked a few holes in in Echo. It wasn't a perfect show. I I mean, ultimately, I enjoyed it for sure. Um, could it have been better? Yeah, it could have been better. But I I'm glad I watched it. I think other people would be glad they watched it too. Um, I also think the representation piece around like how they represented native culture is important. They absolutely had cooperation with, um, with native writers and, and consultants and, and things like that. And Alakwa Cox herself is native. And obviously a lot of the actors are as well. So um, it doesn't. Yeah. Wes, you were saying like, it's, it's just the cast from reservation. <laughs> there, there's at least like five yeah. or six of them. Uh, the, show. the, the deputy sheriff guy, the, um, the spirit, is in it bonnie bonnie is who who is one of the four main characters yeah and she also um voices uh, i don't know how to say it the grandfather is also a character in later seasons of reservation dogs he i reckon he's kind of like one of the most famous native actors oh i recognized him from um from the last of us yeah exactly yeah yeah, he's the guy in the cabin yeah, and they play an indigenous couple in yeah, that too. Yeah, and he had a funny his wife, him and his wife are really funny in that show. His character oh, yeah, wife. Hilarious. Um, all right. So, anyways, uh, Sav, this really is just a question for you. As you, Fire away. as you, um, oh, actually, you've already answered this. We don't need to ask it. We're good. What would you rate what this? TV okay, and... podcast over. Podcast over. No, what would you? We're what done. would you rate this? Kind of whatever scale you want, because you guys hate the rating scales. Where are you going with it? Sav, out of your three episodes so far, how you feeling? I would give this show, so far from what I've seen, I'd give it like a solid eight and a half. Right. It is not a perfect show, but it's unique. It's refreshing. You're getting something different. You have a character who just has a lot of just character in terms of like their background and identity. That's something a little bit refreshing and different that you don't normally see. But they do a good job of or not not just weaving it into the narrative organically, but using it as a springboard to actually be creative with how you film and do the stuff. Like we talked about the sound piece, like when she's fighting the people and they switch between them grunting and fighting and all of that and then her being deaf. But then you hear the heartbeats and then you don't hear a sound. So she cracks someone's neck. That was them saying, hey, this character has this thing going. How can we use this to add a twist to what otherwise would just be a cool fight scene? Hey, she's a badass. She can throw good hands. Let's have her go around with Daredevil. Does she beat Daredevil? No. But we established, hey, Maya could throw some good hands. You know, hey, 
we're going to talk about the elements of her indigenous culture and like ethnicity and background and all of that. But we're also going to weave in this mildly spoilers element to it, you know, like with the train that we saw in the train scene that also kind of gives a little bit of fleshed outness to her badassery, which we already know was earned. Like there's a lot they do that they take, they do a good job of taking what they've been given with this character and actually using it to give you fun, creative on-screen moments. And like the opening sequence when they have the clay people origin story, I was like, what the hell is this? (laughs) And when they use that to just lead into like a campfire or origin story, but it still ends up being relevant to the larger plot. I thought that's just really creative and thoughtful writing. And a show show doesn't have to be perfect for you to say, A, y'all took the material you had and like had people who thoughtfully said, nah, we're going to do something different. Because you could have easily have not had that stuff. And the show wouldn't have been worse for it. But this is what makes a ghost show from being solid to memorable. Those types of moments, like, you know, you had the black and white old time movie sequence where they're shooting the guns. And that explains why you know, Maya has such really good accuracy in the present. I'm like, yo, that was just them being really creative in how they told that story because they could have easily have not done it in such a stylized way. And I hope that they do more of that the next two episodes with any other flashbacks we see. I hope we get more of that. But it's a creative show. The fight scenes are good. Like Maya legit is beating people ass. You know, there's even the scenes where other people are talking and you just see, oh, Maya don't know what the hell going on because she can't hear. And, but her still seeing her do her thing, like, it's an entertaining show, and you don't have to be a, a Marvel fanboy or be caught up in everything to appreciate what it brings to the table. I think it's a solid show that's worth watching, and it already, it's good in the way that WandaVision was good, and that the people who are creating it are having fun with the genre and the toolkit they've been given, and I want to really uh, raise that, so... At the very least, it's worth watching. It's easy to get into. It's not a hard watch. I think most people, especially if you're into Marvel stuff, should give it a watch. Not Sav over here saying Echo is as good as WandaVision. No, I never said it was as good. I know. But it's I'm a, just doing the headline personal, aggregator there's, thing. There's a, there's a stamp on it of like, oh, the people who made this really put their heart and soul into having fun, creative moments. Because there's lots of shows that don't do yeah. that, even though they're giving they characters and culture that could do some really fun stuff. Brian, what are you rating this? Are they not playing it safe in this show? Uh, I mean, maybe. I, I feel like there's definitely love and, love and creativity going on as as a spice on top, but it's not it's not at the center of this. Ooh, Brian said, hi, bro, dish. hi, this. <laughs> hi, Brian, it's, this. I, I think, I, you know, like a lot of recent Marvel products, this is a, you know, there's another one that's just like, yeah, 6.5. You made us not some art house shit. 6.5 out of 10. <laughs> it's fine. Like, it works. There's some interesting things happening kind of on the fringes, the, you know, the stuff that you mentioned. You know, some of the fight scenes are pretty good. You know, I'm glad that they shot them wide. Uh, and, like, she's an interesting character, but... It just feels like there's so many missed opportunities in this. Like if they could just let the creators go ham on what they want, what they probably really want to do, this would be excellent, right? It could. You felt it like could they had be. a shorter leash than I'm real. You think there's a shorter leash than what oh, I'm abs- giving them? Absolutely, and and I mean just like you know, again, getting like Kingpin involved and and all of that. Um, yeah, the dialogue, the 
the kind of the the gaps in the plot line, all of that sort of thing, and and it just you know being a five episode thing, uh, you know, like it's it's okay, it's it's okay. I you know I agree that it's it's memorable because of the the different things that are that it has going for it, right? Uh, you know, being part of a community that we don't get to see a lot of uh, in in TV, and and also you know. The, the different aspects about Maya, those are all well and good, but ultimately, as a whole, I don't think the the parts are greater than their sum. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. And and so yeah, it's it's okay. Like, is it worth watching? Yeah, sure. Um, are you missing out if you don't watch it? No, <laughs> not no, by any means. I don't think you're missing out. I don't think you're missing out. All right, but like, it's short. The episodes are like forty minutes each, five episodes. Yeah watch it people commit to watching way worse shit that but is that is that the bar is that the standard of life that we want to live <laughs> that there's just way worse shit like everything ain't gonna be breaking bad there there's so much out there that is good that is close <laughs> enough to breaking bad that we should just spend our time like in that corner <laughs> you know what i mean it's yeah. just like okay it's cool um, I I fully acknowledge that I'm burned out on shows that are meant to be high quality appointment viewing television, but ultimately it feels like the same stories from the same cultures and same types of people. I will fully admit that I am personally burned out on that, and I can only see so many high budget HBO shows that are really well produced, but ultimately it's about a segment of like white American culture that I'm just like, yo, I'm. I am bored. Yo, but that's why Reservation Dogs exists. It's like, ah, like that's, (laughs) that is good. Right. And that is part of culture that we don't see. And it's made entirely by, by native folks. And it's, and it's really creative and it's out there and it's very good. I haven't seen Reservation. So I haven't seen it. So fair. You know, it's it's just like the stuff is out. It exists already. Just got to find it. Okay. Fair. Fair. I'm, I'm with Brian. I think. I'm I'm at a, a B minus. Um, it was enjoyable in a lot of parts of it. Brian kind of ruined it for me in terms of like talking about how You're Kingpin welcome. wasn't really needed, um, which is this is good. This is why we have Brian on the show to you know kill my dreams. Um, <clears throat> so so that's where I'm at. I, I like it, Brian. I was actually curious then what what has been a show on your radar that's that we should that we should be watching. You know, we could do a. I don't I don't want to hear all the reasons. Just you know, what's a show that Wes, go check this out. This is great art house film. <laughs> it's about the hey, 1700s. I've been watching- hey. the- <laughs> my, we, we don't need that from you right my, now. My sister's got me watching <laughs> Slow Horses on Apple TV, which I've been enjoying. Oh, I, I've uh, I've watched a handful of episodes. I like it. All right. Tell us. What's, um, what's the show? Besides Reservation Dogs. That, that one is good. Yeah. Reservation Dogs is great. Um, I talked about scavengers rain before mm. uh pluto i mean i'm now i'm talking about animated animation stuff <laughs> but like pluto on netflix is great okay. uh yeah i mean there's just like a ton of stuff right. the latest season of fargo great <sighs> i can't get into fargo um well, well that's sad for you <laughs> i don't know all right <laughs> tough. sounds good tough scavengers rain i still need to check that one out i i am intrigued by that one Slow horses, Brian. You might like it. What is that even I about? just said I watched boring. several episodes of it. What is, slow, it, what is slow horses it? about? That sounds like a boring name for a show. 
aren't horses meant to not be slow? So it's far, like, the premise is there's this group of like MI5, which is like FBI or CIA or whatever, and they're just like a bunch of fuck ups, and they get like relegated to this like no name like shame house where they just have to push papers all day and they don't really solve they're not actually trying to solve any crimes but then they sort of come across a situation where like one of them is really trying to solve the crime and gary oldman is their is their boss and he doesn't want them to do shit he's like stop doing an actual job because you're just gonna make things worse like just be incompetent. Oh, they're, the bad, they're the bad news bears of like law enforcement. I guess so. Yeah, but I I don't know where else we're going with this. Brian, you want to add anything? Um, no. He's just kind of he's just, just kind of a, he's like yeah. You're not selling me on this. They're they're called slow horses because they they're bad at their job. You know. Yeah, yeah. You know, like when you think of your race horses, right? You got like <laughs> the top tier of the stable, and then you got the guys <laughs> who are not so good anymore. That's them. Uh, but then, you know, they're, they're still trying to be, you know, the top level, they want to be the top level agents. Uh, so they take on, they end up taking on a case. Only one of them wants to be a top level agent. Everybody else seems cool with just like (laughs) being at the bottom. Okay. Gotcha. I looked up the premise. Okay. I guess I get it. That makes sense. I suppose. Yeah. All right, friends, let's wrap up there. Echo on Disney plus right now and on Hulu. If you're interested, hit us up on at confidently underscore pod Instagram. Look forward to some more posts. Friends, we're out. We'll talk to you later. Happy New Year 2024. We out. Bye-bye.